With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Weird things happen in the backyard of Okay, so last night we watched Willy Wonka. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yes. we got to talking about it, and <laughs> just like I always do in my fashion, sometimes I flippantly say things too, like like my brother, <laughs> <laughs> like Jeremy. And you know what, dude? You you just because Chris Jr. was older, you never really got to hang out with him as much. But he's like that too. He's he says some pretty. Oh funny, yeah. He no, says some, He was just much older. Like when you were coming around, he was mostly out of the house. But mm-hmm. he says some really off the wall, just hilarious stuff. But anyway, we were watching Willy Wonka <laughs> last night, and I out of the blue was like. Bro, Willy Wonka's an egregore. <laughs> <laughs> which, yo, which really blew my mind. Because look, like I told you last night, I've seen that movie like probably 50 times. Like that was one of those ones that if it was on TV in my house growing up, we were watching it. Like we were going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't remember the last time I watched I was probably like in the sixth grade, dude. I used to watch it in school. And um, it, it's an awesome movie. If you haven't seen the original Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder, definitely go watch it. Yeah, it's but, legendary. But we were talking about it last night. And, you know, with a new lens, with, with a lot of these topics we discuss, and that's kind of something we've been doing. Like, you know, Nick lives two hours away, mm-hmm. so he'll make the journey a couple times a month. We record in batches. The hero's and, journey. The hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're in this trend right now of watching a movie every time we get together. Like, last time was 2001. Mm-hmm. This time was Willy Wonka. I really want to watch uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. I have never seen that one. So anybody out there that wants to throw me some hate for never having seen that one, that's okay. Dude, that's a really <laughs> obscure movie. Like most people don't know what that is. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's okay. super obscure. I've heard a lot it's, about it. Yeah, because your wife. Yeah, she loves <laughs> but she it. she likes obscure things. Yep. She's really artsy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a very interesting film. But anyway, so <laughs> we were watching Wonka last night and I just was like, oh my God, the homie's an egregore. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan does this thing. It, he, <laughs> You know what I'm realizing? What? You're the exact opposite of your brothers. You do the opposite of being flippant. You make it as epic as possible. <laughs> you, like you, if you're going to say something, if you're going to drop a little nugget, a little statement, it's going to be so epic. So we're all just sitting there. You know there. who else is like that? Who? My dad. Good point, Ryan. Good point. My dad is like, like father, that. like son. Dude, you should listen to his interviews. I do listen to his interviews. I love listening to your dad. First of all, your dad just has like the best voice. Yeah, like, your does. dad's like voice is, uh, is, is amazing. But, uh, but I, I mean, the things that he, over top. 
That was originally <laughs> that was in the dad. theme song, by the way. If you guys listen to the end of the episodes, I don't know if it's in there. That was one of the quotes that was originally. I think originally... you took that one out. Yeah, okay. We I... like sampled me and my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's in the theme song. But anyway, yeah, um, he's very hypnotizing uh, the way that he talks. He's so. Wait, I just had a realization, dude. What? I'm not sure if people know you made the theme song. Yeah, I, think, I, I don't think we've addressed I, that, man. I mean, maybe not like... And like your wife made the art. Dude, we should... Yeah. That's kind of like a big deal. We talk about it on Twitter. Bro, right now, <laughs> uh, pl- plug plug your SoundCloud, man. Talk about it. Oh, okay. We'll come back to Willy Wonka. Okay, yeah. I, uh, so... Talk so about I've, Monogon. Yeah, I, I've been making music since I was a kid. I really love just like playing around with music. We talk about that a little bit. Like me and Ryan used to make music. But I also, you know, I have dabbled in just about every type of music you can imagine. Dude, I've even dabbled with like like film score. Like, you know, I, I downloaded these patches and stuff. This was years ago of like these hyper-realistic. They're actually samples of real orchestra instruments. I've done that. I've done, you know, I, I love hip-hop. I love lo-fi music. So... Uh, my latest kind of like obsession, though, over the past, I'd say about five years is lo-fi music. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, lo-fi is just it's just a really chill, really vibey kind of genre of music. It's usually a simple beat with like a jazzy chord progression or like a jazzy sample behind it. And so, you know, I, I really have only made like a couple songs a year here and there, just kind of when I find time. But anyway, yeah, if you want to check it out, um, I'm on SoundCloud under the uh, under the name Monogon. It's like a polygon, but Monogon. I thought I was cool when that I came up cool. with that. Dude, it's geometry. <laughs> it yeah. Oh, it's yeah, geometry. <laughs> there you go. I always yeah. wonder what Monogon meant. Why didn't I just ask you? Yeah, it's like, uh, what, you know what's funny? <laughs> and you know what's funny? We talk a lot about these, like, these downloads. That was one of them. Like, what, these, the Monogon thing? Yes. I was literally, like, raking my parents' yard or something one morning and wasn't thinking about, like, anything. And the thought hit me, like, if there's a polygon, there has to be... That implies that there's a monogon. Well, I've heard of the concept of nanogon infinity, which is like nine points. Non, like nine, non... Oh my gosh. Non, I didn't even know yeah, about that. Non, That's nanogon, incredible. No, Yeah, who knows, dude? I mean, I'm not like a... I'm not like a geometry mathematician, <laughs> but, you know, I'm pretty <laughs> but, sure there's monogon. But anyway, yeah, so... so Yeah, I did the theme music. It's like a... that Which, by the way, another download... I made the theme music, and for those of you who have heard, of course, if you if you listen to the podcast, you've heard the theme music. the The cool little weird like wah, the weird like alien noise in the beginning that sounds like a UFO or yeah, something crazy. Yeah. That was a download. I, I made the song, and I was literally playing it over and over, like with Casey in the room. Like this just kind of feels like it's missing something. It just needs like something else. And Casey starts like telling me some kind of suggestion, which Casey is your wife. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Just Casey's my wife for those yeah. of those, for, uh, those who don't know. Um, so she's like explaining to me, like trying to help me, you know, suggest some things to me or something. And as she's talking, I can hear it in my head. I heard it. It like, it came into my head. Like, uh, you know, it was like intrusive. I, yeah. I heard it in my head and I literally had to stop her and was like, stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I heard something. I have to do it right now. So I don't forget it. I'm going to cheese on you a little bit, dude. <laughs> oh gosh. Your <laughs> most recent song you did, A Visitor Sunrise. A Visitor at Sunrise. A Visitor at Sunrise. That's one of the most epic pieces I've ever heard. Thank you so much. <laughs> like, that That is, uh, um. It's epic. Thank you, man. That's so cool. The, uh, that is from a um, the soundtrack of a 1970s horror film called The Visitor, 
which, you know, this is a crazy synchronicity, by the way. Um, it's an Italian horror film. And so the actual name of it is like Stridellum or something like that. Stridellum. So somebody out there will know. Yeah, we'll find um, it. And it's apparently like a, a cult classic. Like people love this movie. But um, our me and Ryan's good friend, Raven, Raven Sullivan. Shout out, Raven. We Shout love you, brother. Shout out, Raven. We love you so much. He and I have the exact same birthday, by the way. We were born <laughs> We were born two hours apart in, in the, the same, same hospital. hospital on the exact same day. And we didn't meet till we were like 14 or something yeah. like that, 15. But anyway, Raven is like, he's really awesome. He has fantastic taste in like everything. But he finds incredible music and he usually, he'll send it to me and be like, dude, you got to sample this. So he sent me that. He sent me this track. It's called Sadness. The The track is called Sadness from the movie Stridellum. It's called The Visitor. But, um, And as I was listening to it over and over and over, trying to figure out how to make it into a song, I kept picturing a samurai standing on a hill at sunrise and like seeing a UFO and like thinking it was a foe, like kind of reaching for his katana, like, am I going to have to fight this thing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just kept picturing that the whole time I was making it. And I kind of like used that as a roadmap while I was making that song to keep that really somber tone. But then there's this really exciting break at the end of it. That's just this like the, the kind of the tone kind of shifts a little bit. Um, anyway, enough about me. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That is a that's a huge compliment. Um I well, just I just have a lot of fun making music. So if exciting you... times ahead because uh, we are now going to be making music as a duo called Twice Born. That's going to be heavy heavy metal music. Uh, it's going to be a heavy metal theme song cover. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Let's announce it. We're we're going to do a cover of the Bledsoe Said So theme song in heavy met the heavy metal genre. So it's going to be heavy distorted guitars and chugs and Ryan's got his beautiful new drum set. He's going to rip that thing to shreds. It's going to be very high energy. We're going to throw in some surprises. And maybe put it on like special episodes of the pod, dude. Yeah, we will definitely. Maybe we'll use that as the theme song for special episodes. We will. We, we, we will. It's going to be really cool. Give us a few weeks to get that out to you. It, 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 it might it's be gonna several weeks. Might be. Yeah. We have day jobs too. Of I course. Mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll have that out to you guys at some point. So. Oh my God, I can't wait. Yeah. I I, but over the past, you know, five years or so, I've been kind of on my own making music. Ryan hasn't had a drum set. Uh, and so I just kind of decided to try the lo-fi thing. And it's just fun for me. I, I don't have a ton of songs. See, my favorite my favorite is your Samus track. Like, Which one? I have two Br- Samus tracks. The Lower Brin Star? Lower Brin Star. That was actually, this is funny. That's actually Casey's little brother, Carter. That was his idea. Oh, really? Honestly, guys, if, if you have any, um, if you have any movie soundtracks tv show soundtracks video game soundtracks or otherwise like any song that you think would be cool for me to sample and turn into like a beat or a song please like tag me on twitter or tag ryan or or like no let's let's, yeah throw your twitter up i think we plugged it in the last episode it's Fermanitas nick if you guys interact with ryan on twitter you've probably seen me i i comment on like every single post so uh if i'm there yeah please if you guys have any ideas that's my favorite thing to do is I love getting ideas from other people and then kind of making them come to life because then it's it's almost like a shared experience yeah you know like when I was finished with a visitor at sunrise I sent it to Raven and he was like dude I feel like 
I'm a part of this. Yeah. I'm like, you are. This wouldn't have happened without you. I wouldn't have found this. You know, who knows? I wouldn't have found this song without you. Dude, I think it's so funny that I came to you and I was like, all right, bro, for the theme song, I want it to feel like the X-Files, but hip hop. And then what you, <laughs> that's all I said. That's all I said. And that's, what that's... you came up with is, is it's, it's, it's legendary, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, that's really, that's really nice of you. I'm, um, I have a, I have an odd relationship with like my, my own securities with my music and stuff like that. Silence your inner critic, dude. Well, honestly, the, you know, with a lot of the concepts that we learn about manifestation and believing in yourself and stuff like that, it has helped me. And I think some of my best work has been coming out. Hey bro, since recently. this is the archetype episode, yeah, we're going to come back to the Willy Wonka thing, but I got to tell this <laughs> yeah, right sorry, now because this is technically on topic for the episode. Okay. So did you watch Luca? No! Oh my gosh! That's oh my the, god, Ryan, dude! That is the third time. Bro, watch it like tonight or tomorrow. We will just it's because amazing. just because you just suggested it. We'll watch it tonight because this is now the third time in a week I've been suggested Luca. It's great. Tell me one of the main quotes of the film, like the the driving uh, thing that helps Luca develop his his heroic journey. I guess you could say is Silencio Bruno, and he's this. Well, I don't want to go too much into the plot of the film because I know a lot of people might really want to watch it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil it too hard, but they're basically like fish people that went, you know, they're like mermaids, kind of. Oh, like, I had no like idea. They, they, they I live know under nothing the about this movie. They, they live under the sea. And basically, Luca has this fascination with like the overworld, like out of the ocean. Like but, Little Mermaid? Kind of, yeah. But when they step on the land, they turn into humans. So Luca and this friend he meets, who's also one of the like fish people, uh, they, they, they try to like merge in with being a human in the town and it's really adorable. Dude. It's definitely a, it's definitely a feel good kind of movie. Love it. It's not like an action movie or anything like that. It's just like a little boy trying to fit into the town and, um, he's very curious, but he's scared. He's scared to like break the rules. Mom and mm. dad are, he has these, this mom and dad are like really strict and they tell him like, you can't do that. You can't do that. So his friend who he meets is like a bad boy. He lives on his own. He doesn't follow the rules. And he kind of pushes Luca to turn into this heroic bad boy by saying like, Silencio Bruno. And they shout it over and over. Silencio Bruno. Every time uh, Luca's scared, he's like, I can't do it, dude. I can't ride the bike. His homie would just be like, Silencio Bruno. And basically that means shut up. Don't think about it. Just do it. Oh, nice. Silence your inner critic. Dude, I think that's some, uh, that, that's some occult programming type stuff. Like there, I, I think this is a, a fringe, like what if Ryan thing? I think there are concepts in movies and film that they put out there that resonate with us and can teach us profound lessons. Um, so you think some of the silence your inner critic? I think that's that's. You think some of like the good players in these organizations are trying to leak these like positive messages? Yeah, I don't think it's all bad. Dude. Right, right. But yes. um, yeah, silence your inner critic. I think that's a very important message. It's an archetype, right? I think the movie Luca, dude, literally, you've got to watch it. They, 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 they have tarot cards in it, basically. Whoa. Like, like, um, I'm trying to get it to get, I saw it about a month ago. In the very beginning of the film, there's this, this, this group of people on a boat and they're like fishing and it makes a big deal to center the camera on a, a card, like a playing card, like a Joker playing card. It's yeah. a trickster. It's mm -hmm. an archetype. Yeah. So, so the tarot cards are just archetypes. Right. And that's what, so that's what this episode is about, everybody. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to rein it, we're going to rein it back in. This episode's about archetypes, um, which 
you know, you could probably explain a little bit. Yeah, of yeah. What so, so, is. so we were watching Willy Wonka last night, yes. and I said, "Oh my God, he's the archetype of the trickster. This is like an egregore." So that concept is that you know you have, uh, for example, Loki. That's a very that's probably the most popular version of the trickster that we've ever heard of. He's literally called the trickster god. Yeah, and it's the concept that in mythology, in archetypal imagery, symbolism, whatever. There's always this force of nature that serves to subvert. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or to like overturn institutional beliefs and things of that nature through trickery, through mockery, through humor. Kind of like what our goal is for this podcast. Kind of like overturn stigmas about certain things and being an experiencer. I make the crystal joke every episode or at least a reference to crystals in every episode just because <laughs> it's like I'm just trying to keep bringing it up to, you know, yeah. destigmatize certain topics. <laughs> but um, so Willy Wonka is totally, in my opinion, he's like the archetype of the trickster. You know who else is? Jim Carrey has played certain uh, films in his life that are the green man. Dude, Jim Carrey the himself. Grinch? Jim Carrey himself is a trickster. Right. Yeah, the Grinch, the mask. Like, the mask? Yeah, he he. Yeah, he the played... mask, bro. Dude, the Riddler. the Riddler. The Riddler. The Riddler, and he's asking, you know, uh, uh, questions, I guess, which is... Think about... Dude, you want... This is weird. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is really weird. Okay. This is this is just like deep thoughts I have, and I've, I've never really, like, explained them to anybody, so this, this might kind of sound weird off the cuff. But, um... Okay, Heath Ledger played the Joker, and it's 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 probably one of the most legendary film, uh, like roles of all time. You know, everybody when we were in middle school was obsessed with oh, the Heath, yeah. Heath Ledger Joker. It's an incredible and, performance, and it's, and it's funny, bro, because the the main thing from that film is why so serious, right? Why so serious? It's got this whole dark concept of like. Uh, everything is just silly. Like I don't know, like the Joker. Like you saw the Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix well, his version. whole his whole like philosophy in the in the Heath Ledger one. His whole philosophy is like, why why would I take anything serious? That, like this is the the world is chaos. The world is madness. That's his literally his entire thing. So he's like, if the world is madness and chaos and nothing means anything, then like, why so serious? Why are you gonna? Why should I be serious about anything? So the it's Joker. So, so okay, so we're gonna kind of analyze the archetype of the Joker for a second. Just bear. This is just kind of like a an exercise, kind of like an intellectual exercise, right? This is just what if. It's just pondering. But the Joker is literally a clown, right? That's yeah. obvious. Yeah. What is a clown? A jester. A trickster. That yeah, a trickster, a Joker, the Joker card, the playing card, mm -hmm. or like in tarot, the fool, mm -hmm. the trickster. Yep. Um, and I think that's some, some powerful archetypal symbolism. And then you get into bat symbolism and archetypal imagery and bats symbolize being connected to the unconscious mind. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
So the Joker is Whoa, heavy you know archetypal what? imagery, and he, then you, of Loki, like the, the the mythological trickster, right? Yeah. So Jim Carrey was the Riddler, another trickster, but it's all about asking questions. It's all about mockery. It's all about silly antics, like Willy Wonka, dude. He walks up with a cane. He pretends to. Uh, he's like, like he's about to be fall all over. crippled, and then he falls over and he does a front flip, and it was all a prank. And, and then the whole like, yeah. yeah, and then he's just <laughs> pranking everybody through the factory the whole time. It's all pranks. He's just messing with people. Yeah, the whole time, the entire movie. Yeah, and then you find out he's really just like, he, he, he comes off as borderline insane, but really he's a genius. And, he's- and you know what's really wild to think about with specifically Willy Wonka? These, a lot of these trickster um, archetypes, the, the, the characters or people who fill this trickster the archetype. The Mad Hatter. The Mad Hatter. They, they're not just silly for silly's sake. They have like a it's, a... it's genius. It's genius. And they have like a real goal in mind doing it, but they go about it in a silly way as to maybe not intimidate or whatever. But like, for instance, Willy Wonka's being silly and goofy the whole movie, but his actual motive the entire time was to test the children there to find which of them is worthy and pure of heart to take on his legacy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he's silly and he's being funny and whatever. But he's like a he's like a shaman or something, dude. He's like guiding Charlie on this like hero's journey, this like spiritual like this. Literally, he's te- it was like he presented him with the hero's test. Yeah. Which, by the way, before we get too much further, um, so th- this archetype thing that we're talking about, there are twelve like main archetypes. I'm gonna just go over them real yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're only gonna touch on a few of them this episode. Yeah. I mean, maybe the ones that are the most common or that like the hero yeah. the so, so you have tw- there's 12 you have the innocent the every man <clears throat> the hero the outlaw the explorer the creator the ruler the magician the lover the caregiver the jester or trickster and the sage now i believe that these what was it? Twelve archetypes. There's twelve. That, that yeah. these twelve archetypes are present in in uh, all reality. Like when you're born, we talked a little bit about astrology in the last episode. I personally believe, depending on your alignment of the celestial bodies and whatnot, when you're born, certain archetypal energy is imprinted on your being. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You, you know, and we all have different archetypes, but it all boils to those twelve. It it, it all boils down to those twelve. Um. Now the Joker with Walking Phoenix. Amazing film. Oh my but, god! But he's not—he's not just like it's. You know what I love about that movie, dude? For the first half of the film, by the way, major spoilers about the 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 Joker. And take this seriously. That that it might be like a comic book movie, but if you're like, it's a fantastic yeah, film. If you're holding off watching it because it's like a comic book movie, don't look at it like that. It's way bigger than that. no. It's one of my favorite films ever made. I've watched it three or four times. It's truly a masterpiece, and and I hate to say it, but most comic book movies are awesome, but they're maybe not like masterpiece level. Yeah, it's just, that is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's not even an action film. No, it's it's it's, it's like, like a psychological. It's, it's, it's like a thriller, yeah. Yeah. So major spoilers, and we're gonna get into that and how it's archetypal imagery. Now, the Joker is obviously the trickster. Yeah. Now, what's so amazing about this movie is he's also kind of on a hero's journey. Yeah. Good point. You know. Good point. But here's here's what I got from the film. 
he really is a, a, a like a comedic genius, but his comedy is so dark, so profoundly disturbing that like most people don't get his humor. It's too fringe. And you know, yeah, it's too fringe. Like his his humor is literally uh, causing mass riots and affecting societal change <laughs> through destruction. And <laughs> That's chaos. a trickster, dude. Yeah, he's a tri- he's a real trickster. Like he, th- but but there were issues because it's based on Taxi Driver and then one mm-hmm. other film I can't mm-hmm. remember. Taxi Driver and something else. So this movie is an homage to two... What is it, dude? I don't know. Okay. Let me look it up while you're talking. Yeah, yeah. I'll look Taxi it up. Driver I'll look it up. and uh, The King of Comedy, maybe? Yeah, that's it. That's it. The, the King, King of, of Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I think that's another um, Robert De Niro movie. It is. It's the yeah, same. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, on yeah, the news yeah. and everything. Like the yeah, TV he's in guy. the movie. Yeah. But what I love about this movie... <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. But what I love about this movie is the Joaquin Phoenix character, like, he's really artsy he's great at dancing he's um, he's very like free spirited he's very free spirited yeah. but he's just like timid and sensitive and he's kind of like insane but he's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> he's kind of like well this is how i look at it i look at it i like how you said he's kind of on the hero's journey because it's almost like he's in the, the hero yeah it's almost like in the first half of the film you really don't know which way it's gonna go yeah you, you know what i mean you do if you know the character the joker of course but like it could go either way, and it just happens that, like, all these, like, bad circumstances in his life sort of pushed him towards a more chaotic direction, <laughs> and so it ended up that way, but I feel like it just as easily could have gone in the opposite direction. But what's so funny, dude, is they make a major point in the movie to show that he fantasizes about being on Robert De Niro's program, and then he shows up on the program. <laughs> and he, he, he kills him! him. Yeah, he, he kills him! Then he kills him, yeah. Oh. No, but it, it, it's... It's just funny, man, because like he has these prof- he has this profound imagination, right? Yeah. It makes a big point in the movie to show that he has this deep, vivid imagination. Now, again, naturally, he's insane, <laughs> so he like <laughs> he like imagines it one way and it goes another way. Yeah. But in some way, his imaginations come true. To me, that's some mystical stuff, like teaching you your your imagination is your manifestation i believe that there's all there, we need to really do deeper research on neville goddard but he's a mystic from the 30s or 40s and his whole thing his whole life's work and career was teaching people that through imagination you can you can change your life you can change the world now don't look to the joker as an hey, example of how to do hey, it uh we're gonna go back to willy wonka literally the lyric is want to change the world there's nothing to it it, that's literally in the song in a world come of pure imagination me, come with me and you'll see a world of pure imagination and then in the same song he literally says want to change the world there's Willy nothing Wonka to it imagined his little paradise yep. and like I, I guess obviously it's a movie so that you know you can't just imagine a chocolate factory and it appears but right. like you could imagine that you were like successful in your life mm-hmm. and you imagine now here's what I think on a psychological oh, wait real quick sorry also in that song he literally says anything you want to do it, view it. There's nothing to it. Like, yeah, he's literally also like, like we are the music makers and the we are the music makers. We are the dreamer of dreams. Like he's straight up just like manifesting his reality. Oh yeah, they asked him like, "What's a snozberry?" And he looks at the kid and he goes, "We are the music makers." The, <laughs> like, like I created a snozberry. You don't have yeah. to know what it is. Yeah, yeah. no, but the, the like the, the profound thing behind Willy Wonka and how he's the trickster of the or the egregore of the trickster is literally it's just it's a mystical imagine your reality, create it, manifest it, and like sometimes genius comes off as a little bit crazy for to sure. other people look at kanye west oh yeah dude i would consider him a genius but like yeah he's also a little cuckoo yeah <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? he literally like, says bipolar is my superpower <laughs> yeah bipolar is my superpower yeah, yeah in that album but um from a psychology perspective 
when you use your imagination vividly, um, you're stimulating your unconscious mind to believe that version of reality. So in some way, like here's, here's where, where I believe science and spirituality and everything is merged. Like as we go to the age of Aquarius, I think we're going to learn uh, deeper truths about our consciousness and what we really are in this, in this realm, in this, in this multiverse, whatever. Um, I think visualization, I've read books on how you can hypnotize yourself. And there are studies that show if you visualize, uh, even, you know, your biceps becoming stronger over time, it works. And like, you can actually develop physical strength through intense meditation and visualization. There hypnosis is real. Visualization is real, whatever. I believe there's something profoundly mystical to the concept that through vivid imagination, you can rewrite beliefs in your unconscious mind. Now, when you do that, it's not about like imagining things and then your life, you just wake up one day and you're in a new place. That's right. not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is if you visualize and imagine success or imagine happiness or imagine this or imagine that, and you really visualize it and visualize it and imagine it and, 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 and convince yourself to believe in a certain thing. Um, your unconscious mind will drive you to form new habits to change your life to become closer and closer to that goal. Yeah, it's like your physical body kind of aligns. It will to, react yeah. to what your unconscious mind And believes. it kind of puts you on that path. For example, if you believe, um, if you believe you'll never be successful, you never will. Because it, it changes your, your physiology. Your it, it changes, changes your physiology. It changes your actual brain waves. Like it, it you know, it, it puts in yeah, your actual brain waves. Your, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think is so profound about the imagination thing. The jokers tell like literally, you know, explore the myth and the ritual of the film. I took a class in college, by the way, which was awesome. And it was in the summer. So it was like a two or three hour long class once or twice a week. And we would watch, it was a religion class. Cause again, you know, I, I did uh, do part of my studies in that and we would watch films and we would explore the myth and the ritual of them. Like we watched the matrix and we talked about how it's Buddhism, Gnosticism, whatever. We watched Godfather, the Godfather. And we talked about the concept of evil and does true evil exist, whatever. But, um, there's a myth and a ritual being told in these films. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the Joker, it's an archetypal myth. Mm -hmm. Willy Wonka, it's an archetypal myth. The mask with Jim Carrey, it's literally Loki's mask. You remember that? Yeah, they say it's it Loki's in the movie. mask. It's Loki. Yeah, it's yeah. a trickster. It's the trickster god. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the trickster itself, I don't think the phenomenon and the trickster are so far apart. Bro, there's an episode of Supernatural where uh, they deal with the trickster, and when it first appears, it's a UFO. And it, oh, no and way. Yeah, and it abducts these kids on a college campus. That show started great. And it then... <laughs> did. It started amazing. Yeah. But, like, literally, the, the first Trickster episode, a UFO abducts these kids on college, and then some other stuff happens that looks like other things, and it's kind of like a whimsical episode. And then you find out it's just a Trickster, and it can, like, alter reality and whatnot. Later in the show, the Trickster is revealed to literally be the Archangel Gabriel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Again, I believe there is a myth present in film and pop culture that may have some real, like, I don't know, resonance behind it. It may be some real stuff. These beings that my family have experienced. Yes. They told my dad they were angels. They work for creation, but I kind of believe they have a trickster vibe. Like they, can, uh, Jim Simivan tells me that all the time. There's a trickster element to the phenomenon. Wow. Now I used to think, well, that's evil. That's evil. No, it's not. I don't think the trickster is evil because Thor wouldn't be the hero he is. The mythological version of Thor without Loki. Yeah. And also it, it almost Jesus you know, wouldn't be Jesus if, without Judas. Yeah. If the if the phenomenon duh is like displaying displaying kind of trickster attributes, it's almost like 
a way of it, it could almost be looked at as a way of the phenomenon kind of telling you like hey it's okay like it's not don't take it that it's seriously. not that serious it's not scary don't take it that seriously like look i'm being silly see i'm Bro, being silly my dad this is a story that I've, I've probably told once or twice on random interviews but um my dad and i this was shortly after the lady happened not like the same night or anything but it was that year uh back in 2012 i was 18 years old i was home for college me and dad would go look outside all the time we still do to this day 14 years after the original encounter and we were outside one night and we were talking and dad said son they're magical they're not aliens they're 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 these magical beings they know your thoughts they know your future and your past and they're and they react to you and i said no dad that's crazy they're aliens right like i I didn't know how to reconcile in my little 18 year old mind like you know not not to offend any 18 year olds of course you know what i mean like me back then i see myself as much younger and much uh, more naive maybe less experienced yeah And um, in my 18-year-old mind, I was just like, you know, they're aliens, but maybe aliens, like, figured out how to, like, contact spirits. And my dad was like, no, I met, I met this, you know, this, this lady and these beings of light, and they told me that they are angels and whatnot. Anyway, so during that conversation, I just kept telling dad, like, I wish I could have been there instead of Chris Jr. that original night. I wish it was me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and I've grown up thinking that my whole life. Like, wow. I wish I could have been there. And then I ended up having experiences to where I don't care about that anymore. It's like, sure. I don't need that. Right. Anyway, so that night in the conversation, I heard, dude, I swear to God, this is one of those weird things where it's like, I'm going to say it. It's weird. It really happened. Like, this is why the CIA was coming to our property and shit like that, because this stuff really happened. I heard a cow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I heard a mooing cow. And then dad looked at me and said, see, they're, they're trying to get your attention. And I was like, no, dad, that they wouldn't do that. Was this at your old house? The Grace Creek house. Yeah. There ain't cows around there. There's no cows there's, for miles. No, I'm going to no tell that. I'm gonna, miles. Yeah, I'm going to get into that. And then we heard two cows. And I'm talking like, like they're in the yard beside us. Like so loud we couldn't hear each other speak while the cows were moving. And then I ended up hearing a chorus of four or five cows for several minutes. And dad and I sat there quietly and we looked around and like, my, I have a six acre yard back. Well, back then we had a six acre yard and like the neighbor had a fence to the left of us was very thick woods. At the end of the yard was very thick blueberry bushes. There was no possible way that a cow could have trotted on this yard and and we wouldn't have been able to see it. And for further reference, at that time, Ryan and I lived a quarter mile apart. I know that area like the back of my hand. Nobody around there has cows. Dude, the next day Nobody. my dad drove around and went and looked to see if anybody had cows. He found, The closest cows we found were out by the Baxley's house like five miles away. That's Yeah, no. Yeah, the Baxley's are some of our other really good friends. But th- So they were like messing with you. Yes, the phenomenon was messing with me to get my attention. Yeah. They were, tri- they, you know, it, it was the kind of the trickster thing. Like, they do things that are funny and silly but profound to where it it alters your perception of them in your mind where it nags in your head like a splinter, like Morpheus It's literally you. like them going like, I'm going to make a silly noise, but it's going to make you think. It's going to mess with your mind for yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to know, like, we're playing around, but we are not playing around. Right. Like, we're real. Now... When you look at stuff on the TV or on the news of UFOs, it's just that little tic-tac blip. And it's like, oh, it's aliens, blah, blah, blah. It ain't. 
Like, we don't even know that that video is real. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to take the military's word for it. I mean, were there really weapons of mass destruction? Uh, we shouldn't go there. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what if? What if? What if there weren't? What if, what, what if the military does lie? Anyway, let's change the subject. Let's, let's, let's the, and, uh, the reason, by the way, that, you know, this episode is about archetypes, but we're spending uh, particularly a long time on the trickster archetype because we believe... Because it's the, the phenomenon. The phenomenon displays trait like it, they are the trickster archetype and that's not a bad thing like the, the the purpose of the archetype of the trickster is to subvert societal and cultural norms and affect profound change or transformation Which, why do you think yeah. loki is such a popular character right now in the marvel mythos i think it's all programming i think it's by design and it's not a coincidence yeah yeah, the, and I mean, yeah, you really should watch Loki. I will. I'll it's only have to six check episodes. It out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only six episodes. Definitely watch it. But um, but yeah. So the the trickster archetype is particularly important to like the the story and 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 what we're doing here. But also like the hero archetype. Oh yeah. Like the hero archetype. This this is the archetype of typically um, the the hero at the start of like the journey is kind of a lowly like just a normal kind of person or a normal kind of you know whatever for instance luke skywalker luke skywalker is like the ultimate hero right mm -hmm. he's one of the ultimate heroes in in star wars when it starts he's like a a farmer he's like a he's like a farmhand like harry potter he lived under the cover. harry potter's an orphan um uh anakin frodo, skywalker yeah, anakin, was a slave like Fro frodo and sam frodo and sam are just little hobbits just yeah. little hobbits in the in, you know in the shire just not doing nothing just smoking tobacco and it's actually in the books it's weed but <laughs> it is it's true <laughs> that's i didn't know it, that man yeah dude it that's always, funny yeah, yeah but um but you know it's it's this. they're smoking hobbit hash <laughs> <laughs> long bottom leaf that's, that's funny bro leaf. old toby yeah um neville Longbottom. Dude, Oh, I'm just kidding. There's no correlation, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, in, in the, even in, um, fellowship of the ring, uh, you know, Bilbo and, uh, Gandalf are smoking out on the front porch and, uh, Bilbo says, uh, old Toby, it's the finest weed in all of South farthing. <laughs> like they're literally, smoking. I did not know this. Yeah, it's funny. But, um, but the, the hero it's, it's not just, I don't know. I feel like when you hear about the hero, you might just think like, just like a good dude who is good and fights bad stuff. It's it's not just that. The hero has to go through a journey. Yeah. yeah which yeah. which in popular, you know most I personally think most film is based on that archetype. The, or like TV absolutely. shows or whatever. It's literally called it's, The it's Hero's Journey. The Hero's Journey. Yeah, it's a and plot device. You sh you guys should look that up. There's this really cool, you can look at this really cool diagram. You can take any of your favorite characters and compare them to The Hero's Journey and it's exactly what the story is. Yeah, honestly, you could do that with just about, you could literally do that with The Joker. And he's, yeah. not, he's not a hero. Bro, like Charlie Bucket, we talked about that. He Charlie went on The Bucket Hero's Journey, he passed the test. He's literally like dirt poor he went into the underworld basically which is you know we're talking mythological comparisons here yeah you could the underworld he went into the factory he mm -hmm. passed a series of tests from the trickster and then the final bat yeah from the trickster yeah. and then he had the final battle which was deciding to put back the gobstopper mm -hmm. and and he he, he overcame he triumphed and he became the hero 
and he like went through all this temptation there yeah. was all these trials and all this stuff and he faltered at one point you know when they he came from nothing and he became like the new Willy Wonka yeah like, the, he, he he faltered when he drank that like fizzy lifting drink that usually in the hero's journey there's a point where they falter and they're at this crossroads where it's like yeah okay, they get beat they come yeah. back stronger mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that that could be applied to, to all <laughs> Wait, are we really talk about Charlie Charlie Bucket in the hero's journey Dude, why, why, the, why don't we talk about like <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about like Luke Skywalker? Yeah, like like Luke or like Goku or something. Or Link from we're Zelda. About, we're talking about Charlie, Charlie Bucket. Bucket. Charlie Bucket. <laughs> He's the ultimate hero. See dude. what effect Willy Wonka has on our minds, dude. Yeah. He's a trickster. The point We really eat his candy. <laughs> That's true. We eat his candy. That's true. Which, by the way, another parallel that Ryan pointed out in terms of the Egregore thing with Willy Wonka. He's the Candyman. Yeah, he's and, the Candyman. And the movie Candyman is literally about an egregore. It is about an egregore. I'm so, just repeating you at this point. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Anyway, anyway, the the hero's journey is 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 much more important than just a protagonist because honestly, more characters than just protagonists go through the hero's journey. I, there are plenty of examples of when the antagonist, dude, Anakin Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker goes through the hero's journey. And he becomes, but the, but his hero's journey is extremely dark. It is extremely he, dark. He, he enslaves half or more than half the galaxy. So that was his. <laughs> okay, hang on. You just said something really funny because if Charlie Bucket's version of faltering is drinking a soda, <laughs> Anakin Skywalker's slaughtering children is slaughtering children <laughs> and enslaving the galaxy, <laughs> and he did it for like twenty years or something like that, thirty yeah. years or something yeah. like that. So everyone's Batman's hero's journey. He got his ass beat by Bane. He got his back broken. He That's came true. back stronger. He comes back. Goku, stronger. like the Saiyans, every time they get beat, they come back stronger. Especially Goku. It's, oh yeah. Goku loves getting beat up I don't for know, some bro, reason. Vegeta's new form, dude. Vegeta. Ultra, what is it called again? Ultra ego. Ultra ego. Ultra ego. Yeah. It's like Goku has ultra instinct. Which is like, you know, he can move super fast and like out of the way or whatever. And Vegeta's new thing is Ultra Ego. But anyway, um, so the hero. That's a super important archetype. Not because it's an example of perfect good. That's not, that's not the point. The point is the journey. The point is the lessons learned along the way. You know, yeah. Frodo, perfect example. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, Frodo... It's his burden to take the ring to Mordor, right? Right. It's his burden. But his journey is is very, like, wrought with failure and doubt and darkness. And whining. And, <laughs> and a lot of whining and oddly sexual faces when he gets stabbed. <laughs> like, he makes a lot of... There's, like, compilations, but... But, you know, so his his example of the hero's journey is, like, a really sad, dark you know, a uh, version of the story. He ultimately like Bro. His, his burden is completed in the end, but that's because of arguably. So there's, there's a lot of arguments. It's like, who's responsible for destroying the ring, right? Is it Frodo? Is it Sam? Is it Gollum? Is it, you know, is it because Gollum was the one who technically like bit Frodo's finger off and threw and, and tripped into the lava. Um, so the hero's journey is slightly different for, for each character. I think in the Lord of the Rings, um, Sam is a more quintessential example of the hero's journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he kind of fulfills his role in, in all of the, the quintessential ways that a hero does. Um, 
But hey, while we're talking about Lord of the Rings, why don't we transition to the next archetype that we'd like to talk about? What? May, might be your favorite other than Trickster, the Sage. I'll, I, I do like the Magician too, but yeah, we'll the talk magician about the Magician is, you know what? Gandalf kind of fills both of those roles. Gandalf yeah. is like the Magician and the Sage. And also kind of a trickster in a way. Yeah. Like he like shoots off little fireworks and like, you know, he's a whatever. But so the sage archetype typically is like the the wise mentor, right? Right. Um, let's say, uh, you know, episode four, Star Wars. That would be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's the sage. Episode five, Yoda. Yoda is the sage in that one. He's also a trickster. He's a he's a silly little green man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what? Here's here's what I wanted yeah. to go into. Like usually, okay. have you noticed with the sage archetypes and most of our favorite mediums? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Oh yeah. Have you noticed they're usually like silly and giggly? Yeah, they are. They are. They they have reached a point of mastery in their craft where they have come to understand that humor makes the heart lighter it, it, it mm-hmm. like i don't know like like jiraiya like naruto's mentor oh my master gosh. roshi goku's mentor uh yoda dumbledore dumbledore there's um, endless examples and usually Black clover's the same way like the wizard king i don't really? want to i don't want to you know no spoilers for anybody out there but like the wizard king and black clover he's he's super giggly he's not he doesn't giggle but he's super funny and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. dude naruto Naruto is literally a toad sage and he's like yeah. silly and eats ramen and he, you know, whatever. He's like a silly goof. Uh, but, but yeah, the sage archetype usually has a degree of this like whimsy. Uh, let's throw another weird little off the wall correlation. Bo Burnham healing the world with comedy. There you go. I personally, and Nick Hinton, um, again, he's, he's this friend of mine who we, we would love to have on the podcast sometime soon. Yeah. Um, and he's an awesome author, but Nick Hinton and I will have these phone chats and we have these profound discussions about the, the mechanism of humor mm-hmm. and how it can affect societal change. And that's what I think the trickster archetype is. But like humor, the sage archetype, whatever, when you come to the point in your life where you realize you can laugh at your troubles or you can laugh at yourself or you can laugh at this or that or the other, whatever, I think humor is the effect by which you can transmute something negative into positive. That's yeah. why this podcast is what it is. That's why it's silly. I could have come out here and I could have been like, my dad had this experience. Like <laughs> F all these people. It's this yeah. way and it's that way. But no, we're just having fun with it. We're having fun. But, yeah. Be, because it, it takes that, like you said, it, it makes it less serious because at the point where you take your most traumatic experiences and you say, you know what, bro? I'm pretty. Right. I'm. Pr- I'm pretty. What's sh- gonna stop you then? What's gonna hold you down then, dude? I'm pretty sure there was some weird government and culture shit that happened to me growing up. And you know what? It's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because it. You know, it's because like here I am. Because you're past it now. You've you're, you're you've overcome it. Yeah. And and now we're able to make light of it and you know heal it through comedy. Yeah, healing the world through comedy, baby. Yeah. No, but like I'm not. I don't think I'm healing the world. But I think again, my theory here is that there's these profound archetypal truths that are being. Uh, okay, let's let's take a step back. I mm-hmm. think artists, you get into what we've talked about previously on our show and how right-brained people, we're all right-brained here. We're musically inclined, mm-hmm. artistically inclined. And I've, I've got some left-brain characteristics too. Like I'm very analytical about certain things. But ultimately, creative types, artistic types, uh, tend to, according to some research out there, tend to be more in tune with like uh, highly psychically intuitive downloads. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the artists of the world are really picking up on, um, 
powerfully resonant messages out there in the ether, in the consciousness field, in the Akashic records, in the, in the morphogenetic field, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, there is this field, there is this invisible force where all data and information in the multiverse is stored, right? I don't, I don't yeah. know, you know, quantum physics, whatever, you know, whatever you can imagine it in your mind. Artists are picking up on that. Artists, typically right brain type people, are the ones who experience the phenomenon in the first place. Now, I'm not picking on left brain people. I'm just saying everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different abilities. Left left brain people tend to be way more like mathematic and pragmatic and scientific minded. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's that's needed. It's you know, also for the advancement of human consciousness. For sure. But anyway, so what I'm getting at here is I think that there are profoundly talented artists, musicians, uh, painters, movie makers, writers, directors, whatever, who are picking up on some deeply profound messages and putting it in their art. Yeah. We talked about that with the matrix, you the know, matrix, yeah. there's so much symbolism, like, arch like archetypal truth, symbolism, whatever being put into the films. I don't think there's just, uh, you know, maybe you could say there's like a conspiracy that there's people trying to advance consciousness. Maybe what's happening here is it's the evolution of the collective soul. And there are artists who are being born and they're just picking up on this stuff. And we're all like figuring it out together. I don't know. Like, think about it how you want to think about it. Yeah. But there are archetypal truths in films and um, that's kind of like what we're getting at here. I think that's the importance of why we're talking about archetypes is because if you, if you know some of these archetypes and you know the roles that, uh, that these archetypes fulfill, it can make it easier to understand a lot of this stuff and, and why some of this stuff is the way it is. Right. Where do you want to go from there, dude? I don't know. You want to talk about some more, uh, some more archetypes? There's a few more. So I had a question, if you don't mind, from what you know about archetypes, what exactly would be the difference between like the magician and the trickster? I have no clue. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I broadly study so many subjects that like I have all this stuff swirling around in my head, man. Like yeah. I'd have to research it, but I'll tell you what, my life path is the magician. Like numerologically, my life path is a magician. So if you, oh nice. So we can we can find yours right now, dude. So Pythagorean, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we'll do a life path calculator. It's just Pythagorean numerology. So um, you take the digits of the day you were and and listeners follow along. You can do this too, and you can find your numerological life path. I didn't look, even know this was a thing. I'm here's, about to do it right here's now. Here's a quote from Socrates: "The mark of an educated mind is one that can explore ideas." without accepting it. So like, look, just, just follow along. Who cares if you believe in numerology or astrology or not? You know, aren't you curious to find out what, what it might say about your life path? So you take the day you were born, the month you were born and the year you were born. So like, for example, yours is June 15th, 1994. Right. You take every individual digit. So what is June? The sixth month. So you yeah. would take six then plus 15 mm -hmm. plus 1994. And what you're doing is you're reducing it down to one number. That's your life path. Mine is one, which is the magician. So you could just Google life path calculator and it'll do the... Yeah, the, I just got it. My, mine is eight. Now Google tarot card number eight. Tarot card number eight. Fortitude, strength, magnanimity. I'm not seeing like a, a, a card. What is the eighth tarot card? I don't know. That's not the hermit, is it? Justice. It's not the hermit? That must be seven. So then what you would do in your own time is you would look into the symbolism and the, the archetypal meaning uh, behind that tarot card. And that will probably resonate with stuff about your life. And then you also could just like Google life path number eight. Now with yeah. this, with this kind of stuff, there's a lot of kooky stuff out there on the internet and everybody who's everybody who, you know, in this whole new age stuff wants to, you know, 
have an opinion and that's great but there's a lot of really diverse opinions out there yeah. so like i would read like 10 articles about um life path eight and then find all the correlations and kind of cross kind of cross that's what i yeah. do that's how i come to my conclusions is if there's 10 people saying something kind of similar i'm going to cross reference that's look my left the, brain working look at the similarities right so yeah. i you know that's so that's your life path mine is life path one which is literally the first tarot card is the magician yeah, so you, so we need to look into that. And yeah, see. that's why I make comments all the time on the pod, like, bro, I'm a magician, bro. <laughs> like, like numerologically. Yeah, this this one yeah. is strength. This one is number eight is strength. So I'm gonna do some research and figure out what that is. But if you guys, uh, if you put your birthdays in and you find your numerological number, reference that to the tarot card. Comment. We want to hear. We want to hear about all this stuff. We're figuring this stuff out together. Everybody. Yeah. We don't have all the answers. We're, we're, we're freaking idiots. We, we, the, the, the one, the one answer that I confidently would die on this hill. Really? I would, <laughs> yeah, I would okay. die on this hill. I would die on this hill. All right. But not literally. I don't want to die. Okay. Okay. I don't want to die. I have a all long right. life ahead of me. I want to have kids. Yeah. I want to make twice born music. Yeah. But I would metaphorically die on this hill. And that hill is they are lying about aliens. They are lying. Don't trust institutions. Don't trust the people who um, have the power and the wealth and the influence to uh, snag spots on the media. You know, like the people who are on the news, who are on TV, who they're telling you about this or that or the other. They're probably very well-connected, influential, wealthy, uh, political, whatever. Like they're, they're, they're all, I'm, I, I believe this, they're all a bunch of liars. Hmm. I would down the hill. Dang, man. Illuminati, whatever and, you want to call it. And to think about how profound or how common it is. It's class warfare, dude. Well, think about how common hearing about aliens, you know, that's like all anyone's talking about right now. Why the lie? Right. Why the lie? Why the that's, lie? That's, yeah. Because what if there was a collective consciousness that we all experience. Imagine we're all like a little tiny piece of, of that big consciousness. There's one consciousness, right? We're all little pieces of it experiencing different things so that the big consciousness, the, the whole one can uh, grow. And that like when you learn the lessons that your soul was meant to incarnate over and over again, and you know, just learn the lessons in general, um, I believe you return to that one consciousness. And I believe we all are on this evolutionary journey of the soul together. Kind of like, well, I don't want to talk too much about 2001 because we want to do an episode on that. But, <laughs> but hey, I want to piggyback off what you It's about evolution saying. of consciousness. So if we're all on a path of, of consciousness evolution, then these archetypes can help you yes. understand your role in that. Understand everyone's role in that. What you have to offer. Also, it's like Neo seeing the code of the Matrix. Like when you understand yeah. the archetypes and how they're imprinted all throughout your life, you're like starting to see, oh my God. Like, like, wait a minute. This is a Matrix of overlapping archetypal imprints. That's why it's so important uh, to what we're talking about. That's that's why we wanted to, to do an episode on it. And Carl it Jung. Up. Carl Jung is the one who popularized this and he was an occult psychologist. He's one of the most famous psychologists of all time. I had to write so many freaking papers and so many essays on him when I was in college. And it turns out he was an occultist the whole time. And his archetypal stuff was not just psychology, but it was some profound spiritual stuff. Um, just, just Google Carl Jung, J-U-N-G. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, why the lie? Because if we're all on, a, on an evolution of our consciousness on an individual and on a collective level, um, I, I, I think there are definitely some people who are born, um, into these influential families, whatever, who 
have this knowledge and they want to keep all of us dummies a little bit suppressed so that they can keep making all their mega billions and trillions and their corporations can just profit off of our stupidity and ignorance. Yeah. And if, if you, you know, if you know about archetypes and you, you know, the significance of them, they don't want you to know that they don't want you to know your role in, in furthering the collective consciousness. Because if you, if you have an idea of your role or some of the roles that crop up around your life, it's almost like a roadmap to the path to like the, the ascension of the collective consciousness. It could be looked at as like a, a roadmap or, or, a path, you know, it can help you stay on the path. And so, you know, if, if their agenda truly is to keep us away from that, then it would make sense to suppress that information and not, and try to prevent us from realizing our true potential as a collective. Exactly. And again, I don't want to go too dark here, but I, <laughs> again, I just like, I got to keep my conscience clear. I feel For like sure. some of these things I really should say, I mean, if it helps one or two people, great. I did my job. Exactly. If it helps nobody, well, it's a catharsis me. Um, it it, helps it, you. It, it's cathartic for me to, to talk about these things because most people in my in my daily waking life won't listen. So whatever. If anybody listens, thank you. Thank you. But um, I, I, I do I do believe that, uh, you know, they're 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 lying to us. Um, and I have met some of these elite connected people. And when they meet us in private, they're talking about like angels and multidimensional things of that nature. And then all I'm seeing on TV is. Uh, blips of Tic Tacs and they're talking about um, threat analysis and things like that. I just think you should keep your eyes peeled and anything you see on the television for the love of God, don't just eat it up like slop on a trough. <laughs> like don't, don't, you know, take you, it with a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Do and, your own research. Just, just, just pose the question in your own mind. Why would the most powerful and influential people in the world, I mean, think about it. If you go on TV You've, you've got some influence, right? The, the, the regular like news pundits and, and things like that and movies and Hollywood actors and all these opinions out there in these elite connected circles. You should po- pose the question in your head. What would they gain if they told us all the truth? Right. What would they gain? They would lose a lot more if we all realized, oh shit, like we can remote view and stuff. You, what you're saying is if it, they know that if we did realize our true potential, there'd be an awakening. Yeah. There'd be an awakening. What would they gain from telling the truth that these beings of light have not only visited my family, but other people and mm-hmm. the government has evidence of them and it messed with them at Skinwalker ranch and things like that. Mm-hmm. Cause dude, I've had conversations with people in the CIA and other little like army intelligence and other clandestine groups. Um, and like, I know they were messed with the Skinwalker ranch. Like the the phenomenon was like, you ain't going to get a leg up on us. It messed with them. That's something I don't know much about. I want to, I want you to, we need to have a conversation. We should maybe do an episode or or include something about that. Cause that Skinwalker Ranch is something I don't know much about. Dude, I've had, I've had people in the psychic spy program and other, uh, clandestine people come to my property and the phenomenon messed with them on my, on my parents' property. Wow. Yeah. Oh, like it's, yeah. And like scared them or something like, so the guy who put the death threat on us many years ago, about four or five years ago, um, he made, he made some comments, swear to God, an orb showed up behind him and he was so freaked out. He made a comment. <laughs> like, if you don't tell the story the way we want you to, we could pull it, put a bullet in Chris Jr. or Yvonne's head. And I, and I know who he was. I know his name. I know what member of the CIA and DIA sent him to our property. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like, you know, they, they deserve air. Like, I don't want to open that can of worms saying their name. You at, don't want to put at, a spotlight at this present moment. Sure. But, um, they still mess with me. Anyway, this guy came to our property 
and he like made a threat or whatever and literally an orb appeared behind him and it freaked him out so bad and my dad like i said he's man of steel bro like my dad would take anybody down and not even freaking blink <laughs> seriously he like <laughs> he's a he's a tough dude he's awesome and and he looked at this guy and he said turn around you know it's there don't you oh and the guy the guy slowly <laughs> turned around he saw the orb he never came back. Wow. So now all they do is they just mess with me on Twitter. These, these, uh, these, these Pentagon program people whose job is disinformation. But let's change the subject. I don't want to okay. get... That's some really traumatic stuff. But, yeah, for sure. You know. Anyway, it, it messed with them. And also, I believe this... I, like, dude, think about it. Everything you see on the internet about like, oh, some, you know, Juice World was sacrificed to the Illuminati. Isaac Cappy was sacrificed to the Illuminati. <laughs> I don't necessarily know that all that stuff is true. Right, right. I think, I think a lot of that is, is is fear programming to like scare anybody from. Dude, they could very so. It could all be fake. Take advantage of like, oh, hey, this celebrity died. Let's spin it and make it look like maybe it was, you know, the Illuminati. You know, I, I just I don't I don't know that they really do that. Maybe they do. I mean, right. watch Eyes Wide Shut with Stanley Kubrick. Mm. <laughs> That's a good movie. Mm. And like, oh, it's a weird That's movie. A weird and it's very one. dark and it's very mature, very graphic. Like, yeah. make sure you you know if if you watch that movie, look it up. Yeah. <laughs> like before you watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but in the movie, um. I guess you can't really spoil this movie. It's it's, it's more like a, a wild, wild. It's a wild ride. It's an experience piece. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, by the way, Stanley Kubrick, dude made Shining, two thousand one. Like he's one of the best filmmakers that will ever live. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, he revealed so much stuff. He it's speculated he may have been killed for revealing. For, 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 yeah, he yeah. yeah he he supposedly died of a heart attack four days before the movie aired, and the and Warner Brothers cut twenty four minutes. But in the film, um. One of the, so the Tom Cruise character shows up at this weird party. I'm not going to say the nature of the party, Super weird. but it's weird. He shows up at this party and they all have on these Venetian masks and everything, which by the way, that's some, you know, there, there, there's a festival in ancient Venice where, um, everybody would wear these Venetian masks. And like for one day there were no rules, kind of like a purge. Oh, whoa. Anyway, weird, you know, orgies and things like, oh, I said, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> anyway, now, now you know what now you know what the movie's about. It's, it's very it's very weird. Yeah. Anyway, so the Tom Cruise character sneaks into this party, and um, he they, he gets caught by these people, and they're doing some weird like satanic ritual stuff, chanting, chanting, like in reverse, chanting, like, yeah, chanting stuff in reverse. And Tom Cruise is like found out, and they're gonna basically kill him. And one of the uh, I don't know if I should say this. One of the uh, girls of the night at the party <laughs> basically lays herself down and she's like, I'll take the penalty. And then the next day, Tom Cruise reads in the newspaper that a very famous stripper or something like that died of a drug overdose. And it was the girl from the party. Mm. So the point of the film is like, dang, a lot of these celebrities that die, maybe it's something weirder. Maybe it's deeper, but, but I don't know. Maybe that's fake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no way, there's no way of knowing for sure. I don't know. But anyway, how do we get here? ADHD. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the ADHD. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, but like, I don't know. Like, they're they're definitely lying. Um, I really don't remember how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, dude. We, we covered the few, I think we covered our few favorite archetypes in this episode. There are more. Like, we listed them earlier. Go check them out if you're interested. Like, there's, there's a lot to this archetype stuff, and we kind of just barely touched it here, but we're really interested in it, and, um, and it, I think it's important to what we're talking about. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we could end it there if you want. All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Weird things happen in the backyard of Bledsoe House.
Alright, let's listen. 